Let me start off just with uh, our, our plug for the month of May. We've been talking about this on July 31st. We, we have an opportunity to see soccer as a, a kind of bigger spectacle than I, I think we're, we're used to seeing. Tottenham Hotspur are playing AC Milan at U.S. Bank Stadium, and it's just going to be a big party. There's, you know, the, the players uh, from who are going to be from the big stage, like Harry Kane, Christian Eriksen, Leonardo Bonucci, uh, you know, the boy wonder, uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma. Uh, it's a really kind of rare opportunity we have to see European stars come to town. So if you want to check it out, go to 55.1. Uh, and at the top, there's a banner there. Take off your ad block because you're a normal human being who's not evil. Um, and uh, click on it and go check out the tickets. Um, and then you can you know, join us at the game. All right, here we are on the 55-1 podcast. My name is Wes Bernine. I'm joined here in the nice, cool uh, basement with Rodrigo. How are you, man? I am great. How are you? Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, sure. Great. My life is like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, hectic, hectic week. Yes, for sure. For both of us, at least. More for you than me, but yes. Yeah. And Alex Schieferdecker joins us on the phone from Philadelphia, uh, where the U.S., Men's national team just beat Bolivia. You're out on the ground with you have Christian Pulisic right with you, don't you? Yeah, we're going to have an interview in the second half of the pod, so stay tuned for that. Yep, definitely. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, Alex, your your life is obviously extremely tranquil compared to ours. So uh, how do you feel, Zen? I feel great. You know, it's it was a beautiful like sixty high sixties, little dipped into the seventies a little bit. Uh, it was a nice, cool day. Uh, I sat on the porch. I walked around my neighborhood. I, I just had, I really enjoyed it. Wow, you, you're making me hate you after our, yeah, our 103 say, I, I, degree day. 103 so. degree day, yeah, with like no air conditioning until today. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Everyone hates Schieffer Decker. Uh, anyway, so on this podcast, you know, we are, it's kind of a slim down podcast. No Eric this week. And yes. also, uh, you know, I spent, the weekend doing lots of other things and barely prepping for this show. So uh, I'm just going to wing it. We're going to wing it, but... Uh, we're wingers, yes. We, we are wingers. We, we're left wingers, and so that's why we belong in Minnesota. Uh, but let us let me just kick off. I won't kick, go to the break. Let me kick off with the good. I just have a good and weird. Uh, the good is... Uh, we've talked about on the show before. Uh, Coventry City, uh, a, a guy we know, longtime Dark Cloud... He and his son, you know, he's from uh, around Coventry. At least Coventry's his boyhood club. Uh, they have not been promoted in any league in 51 years. Since the 70s, they haven't even finished in the top six. Uh, and they've only been relegated is it one, two, three times in those like 50 or whatever years. They've just lived in this terrible purgatory. Their stadium situation's terrible. Um, but uh, Coventry City were in the, the final at Wembley to get out of League 2 up to League 1 uh, Steve Lilly our friend takes his son Ephraim and I saw the, the picture yeah, yeah it, it was, was wonderful yeah and they, they saw the game Coventry win 3-1 over Exeter uh, I, it's great stuff of dreams taking, taking your kid to, to, uh, 
to see your team promoted for the first time in your lifetime is pretty wild. Sounds like sounds like Steve Lilly has a talisman somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah uh, well, if he had a talisman, uh, it would have worked long before <laughs> now. But. Well, gotta like, give, bring the kid to the game. Bring the kid to the game. I mean. Yeah. That's true. Gotta, All right. So Ephraim, Ephraim is the talisman. Yes. You got you got to give Steve a lot of credit. This was a this was a risky move because Coventry were not the favorites in this game. Like Exeter. Uh, their opponents were finished above them on the table. Uh, they had been to Wembley the year before, so they had that experience uh, and, you know, Coventry's history. So, yeah. you know, bold move, paid off. Yeah, plopping out Congrats. $2,000 on plane tickets to get out there. So, yeah, good good for him. Yeah. I'll, I'll say to the weird, um, we're not going to talk about the Champions League final um, other than the weird is that uh, what about Est- what's about Villa and uh, Fulham? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a crazy Fulham. game. Did you watch it? Okay, I I I spent my weekend like working on menus and things like that. So yeah, you you did <laughs> you watch it? Yes, I did watch it, and, and it was Villa. Just I don't know. They they, they were just, to me at least it looked like they were playing to lose, and even with like with it with a man advantage at the um, second half. There was still not even like probably like thirty minutes left of the game with the with the man advantage that weren't able to, put, to even tie the game. So it was. It makes me feel good watching John Terry lose. <laughs> At the start so. of that match, the commentary team said that the English press had called it "Beauty versus the Beast," um, <laughs> and it was it was exactly as described. I mean, Fulham yeah. were playing this confident, beautiful, flowing right. soccer, mm-hmm. and Villa just didn't show up. You know, for the yep. first half, I mean, it was just. And then the second brutal. half, Villa started to sort of be a little more physical, and Fulham had difficulty with that. But so, so the second half was was sort of uh, Aston Villa slanted. But it was just—I mean, uh, you were rooting for Fulham the whole way because, like, it, it was just John Terry and crew were just, and yeah. Steve Bruce and crew. I mean, it was just ugly, ugly, ugly it's just stuff. Tail as old as time, <laughs> racist center back. <laughs> and uh, Tim Ream for Fulham, man Tim of the Ream, match performance. Right. He was yeah. fantastic. He's going to the Premier League. No, it's just—it's going to be really interesting what happens with uh, with Villa with all the money and all the and all the contracts and everything else that they have. <laughs> it's just going to go broke in a couple yeah. of years. Yeah, I know. I was just like, I was like, this is just going to be straight straight down to like chapter, yeah, whatever chapter uh, on the file. on the the Portsmouth uh, uh, playbook. Um, the the weird is uh, Egyptian. There's an Egyptian Egyptian lawyer who filed suit for a billion dollars, <laughs> alleging that Sergio Ramos intentionally injured Mohamed Salah in the Champions League final. Uh, I, I just that's great to me. Uh, I am you know uh, I, that whole story of that game was like cast in this very Anglo centric uh, villain versus the the good guy. And I, I kind of get that in many ways, but um, I am very hopeful for Mo Salah and Egypt, mostly because I uh, was talking smack uh, to Pablo, one of the hosts of the Minnesota <laughs> football show, which we should give a plug for in a second, uh, that I was telling him that, because uh, he's, uh, he's one of the most cocksure soccer fans I've ever met, and uh, I was and telling him but, that by the time Mo, Mo Salah was done with Uruguay, mm. they would be Paraguay. Um, <laughs> and so, and then like two days later, uh, Mo Salah gets injured. And, well, that's what happens when the invaders decide to take take some sort of uh, yeah. initiative to you know. No, it's it's it's. I've also heard about the um, 
the lawsuit is just trying to see if they can do like a class action lawsuit. <laughs> 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 people people yeah. sign on to like yeah. previous things and future things that 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 uh that Sergio Ramos can do, except hopefully not have a music career. So yeah. that would, be, that would yeah. be the best. Listen, Mosalat would I think amputate his arm. He would rather do that than miss the World Cup with Egypt. Yeah. I mean, there is no way that he is not making the World Cup, and there's no way that he's not starting for Egypt. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Who knows, and, right? We'll see. Um, well, so, you know, that's the good and the weird and the good, the good and the weird, I guess. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about Minnesota United FC. <laughs> So back on the 55-1 podcast, uh, this past weekend, uh, Minnesota football show, MN football, F-U-T-B-O-L show, uh, went on the air, Rodrigo. Yes, we did. Again, you, uh, um, it, it's a call-in, live call-in show that you know people can listen to online. Um, through on, the app, through, is it KRSM? Yeah, KRSM, is, yeah. you can listen to it uh, on the radio if you're in Minneapolis. Anyway, it's uh, it's going to kind of be broad ranging from, you know, world football to uh, Minnesota United and even like Minneapolis City. And yeah, VSLT no, we tried to hit things. as much as we could as, as, as we did at least this first show. So we ran, ran down to from MPSL to also the... Uh, Women's leagues, all the both both women's yep. leagues, and um, just went over the scores and just talked about some some stuff. Yeah. And then we went into United, and then we went into World Cup predictions, and yeah. and, and then uh, and then and then we had some guy call, and then yeah, forget yeah, about some that. amazing guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I'll just tell people they should go to on Twitter. It's MN Football Show. Just search for that, and same thing on Facebook and those are the best ways that way you can kind of bookmark it go check it out it's 10 a.m. central time on Saturdays and um, it's just like it's different it's great to have the different voices different types of people talking on it and uh, um, you know you've got Ben's uh, very thick Cockney accent <laughs> but I called to talk Harry Kane with him so yeah you did uh, and then we also had uh, yeah Pablo and, and, and everyone. it's just Pablo, yeah. Sheila, Eric all of us just to be able yeah. to try to get a a bigger sense. So yeah, uh, Saturdays from ten to eleven. Uh, all the information um, you can find yeah. on Twitter or on the Facebook page, and you know, give us a call whenever we were on air, and we're really willing to be able to to, to talk to you. Uh, and uh, see what comes with that. So let's talk now about Minnesota United FC two Montreal Impact zero. Uh, I'll, I'll state in the beginning, second clean sheet of the season. Uh, um, no. Actual meltdown on the pitch by Montreal. No, close no, though, close, close. But uh, you know, not not even like last year with the post post game dust up. Uh, you know, yeah, true. Um, the other the other vitals for this. Are, you know, the main change was that uh, Tyrone Mears came back into the team uh, in for Jerome Tison. Uh, Ibsen came back. Um, you know, l- let's start with this uh, to you, Alex. You had your piece on fifty five one. There's a lot of questions I want to ask you, but um, <clears throat> your main thing talked about what what kind of what does Minnesota United look like, and maybe maybe kind of take us through that first talking point of is this a four four two? What what what's going on? Well, I guess I'll just start off by by saying that some of the thoughts from my piece originated. I mean, they start off with Jeff Reuter's piece at the Athletic. If you subscribe to that, 
um, go go make sure you read it. Um, if you don't subscribe, you should. Um, and he basically talked to Adrian Heath. He also talked to Tyrone Mears, and he just he tried to sort of figure out what what is Minnesota United's identity, which I I, I feel like it was it, it's a harder question than it should be. Um, this is like a motorcycle goes past my house. Um, I, you know, I, I think that we have seen the Loons go through a lot of different formations and a lot of different tactical approaches in their year, year and a third in MLS. And it's hard, it's a little bit hard to figure out what is that one consistent, what's the one consistent thing that this team is, is good at. We certainly know what they're bad at, um, but what is the one thing that the team is trying to, to do to other teams? What's the will that they're trying to impose on the game? Um, and, and basically Jeff's conclusion, or, or my paraphrase of Jeff's conclusion, was that hard work is, is the one thing that this team does well. Um, and I think that's right. I, I mean, I think that the team has, in every game this season, worked very, very hard. Um, even when they're down, uh, even especially when they're ahead. I mean, we have not blown a lead late this year, which I'm really thankful for because that, that sucks, and, and it's great that we haven't done that. Um, this team is a hardworking team. They, you know, for all the gripes that we fans have had about the coaching and some of the decisions that have been made, there's no evidence that anyone is giving up on the club, anyone's giving up on the project or, or Adrian Heath or, or whatever. Um <clears throat> And, and that's really impressive to me, but at the same time, it's not enough, right? At some point in time, the team needs to be good at something that's beyond just working hard. Um, you know, are we trying to be a counterattacking team? Are we trying to be a team that controls the ball? Um, what is our sort of preferred formation? All this kind of stuff is still sort of up in the air a year and a third in. And I think that this Montreal game was a good pivot to talk about because this was a bad team, a team that came to our stadium. And Minnesota could have, you would expect Minnesota to sort of kick them around, try to dominate play, and that's not what happened. It was a very even game. There was a lot of give and take. Um, and I think so. I think that that leads us to sort of question, you know, what kind of team is Minnesota trying to build when the worst team in the league or one of the worst teams in the league comes into your stadium and it's sort of a, a cagey match. Well, let me, let me put it to you, Rod- Rodrigo, then, about that, um, that idea of the identity. <laughs> the one way I'll say is that maybe hard work, but I don't see us working that hard in the first 20 minutes of every game. But is, is that it, hard work, or what do you see in, in the team? I think... I think the first always 15, 25 minutes, we always seem to be in a, a sleep mode. It just just we just don't have a, a good a good start, oh, um, and that just seems to be part of part of the the nature of our team. I think we are um, though at times I see us as a as a counter attacking team, specifically now with um, how we are built for speed and, and quickness. Um, I, it, it's, it's hard to pinpoint as so many formations we've seen, but I think ever since uh, Quintero has come on, 
we've 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 kind of gone with like um, we've experimented with four three threes, four four twos, four four one one, and that and I specifically kind of like the um, the four four one one, but with like an, an inverted four in the uh, in the in the middle, uh, um, just because. The, the 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 fake nine in this case Quintero is like the holding forward and then you have a Ramirez or you have a Dunlady or you have someone else that's up there that is is willing to make those runs so you can beat the ball fed too. As I've noticed from from since Quintero, you know, the first couple of games he was so adamant about shooting and getting into the into into the box and creating something and now he's more about just um, creating opportunities and I haven't seen him shoot the ball as often as I'd like to as often as I thought he would so so yes do I think they work hard I think I think as of recently they, they do that I think they they do that at times um, I think certain specific sections of the of the field works works harder than others um, but at the same time I also think that the the, the back four have been as inconsistent throughout this whole season there hasn't been one lineup that has totally been consistent at all times and that's some of it's due to injury and some of it's due to uh should be should be due to play to to, to play in abilities so i think that's such a fantastic answer because it sort of illustrates this point perfectly because i disagree (laughs) like especially about how cantero should play i don't want him playing further forward i want him playing actually more in the midfield and I and I and I wrote this on Twitter today, but I, I think that Minnesota's best single quote unquote play is win the ball, get it to Quintero, pass to Ramirez, who lays it off to Quintero, who's making a vertical run up the field, spray it wide to the wing, and then try to hit a run with a cross. Like that that play is something I've seen us pull off, and it's the the closest sort of thing that I think that we've done really, really well consistently. And we've kind of gotten away from that in past games, I think because Quintero has played higher. So but 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 your perspective is not wrong. I think that the I think that the what it illustrates is that we don't really quite have a clue how this team plays best. And we haven't seen them settle on an answer. Certainly from the coaching staff no, and players be. on the field, we haven't seen them really adopt one certain strategy, one well, certain you know, way of putting it in the net. There's there's two things about that. This was the first match I distinctly noticed Ramirez cutting back to, to play a little bit underneath Quintero. Um, not the whole time, but there were a few times that I specifically noticed that. Um and uh, and maybe that was because Quintero can stretch a bit. You know, he's faster, so they could they could uh, hit it on the counter a little bit. Um, the other thing, as you point out in your piece, is that uh, you know we're saying they're trying to still figure some things out. But the one thing, the one place we know we have a problem seems to be the one place. Heath believes he has it figured out, right? Schuler and Ibsen and Boxall and Calvo are like, you know, written in blood. Uh, and, and, you know, like, you'll be able to, like, it'll be buried in a stone tablet 3,000 years from now. Archaeologists will dig it up and they will see, like, this is the one thing that remains. Ibsen, <laughs> Schuler, Calvo, Boxall. Um, and yet, that's, you know, not in this game. This game actually, Alden did you none of them were t- particularly bad. Actually, Ibsen was terrible in the first half. Yeah, he had say. one great assist, but he gave the ball away 
a lot. But everyone else was not particularly great. They got better in the second half, but we're fine. But the, the, those are kind of my my like two observations. Like we're still trying to figure out the attack where we don't we know what well, you know what we have, but the defense seems to be just like locked in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think so too. At the same time, is 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 I think I start trying to figure out what this team is going to do now that we got our, our designated player. Right now, we got our first one. Uh, I think that's when you start trying to figure out what is it that we are trying to do. And I and I and I, and I see how playing Quintero as a deep, deep in, deeper into midfield can create those those those, those runs and opportunities. But but I also see ourselves. Like like you pointed out, Alex, when we play the ball wide and we play it wide enough to make a cross, like Miguel has been doing, we we seem to be successful at doing that. Specifically, because someone's making that run to the near post and someone's trying to make that run to the far post as the cross as the cross comes, and I think that's that's something that does work. But as we know, the probabilities of, of crosses into into the yeah. box. Uh, yeah. are, are usually not that great. So I I I'd rather I rather go to the wings. And then if there's nothing there, come back to the middle and just go back. We'll go back to it. But that's that's the question. Who else do you have that's been reliable um, in the middle as of, as of this moment? I mean, yeah. I it, I never thought I said, but Schuler, the way that he's been playing lately, has been at least better than 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 what he was yeah. at the beginning of the season. So, uh, and he, I think he was in an interview saying that he's he's realized that he has to make less mistakes and he has to be more patient. Which is which is great for someone someone to realize that, but at the same point, I didn't miss Ibsen the last couple of games, and uh, when he and, and when he came in, he wasn't uh, he he wasn't a, a difference maker except for you know the the assist that uh, he stole the ball from someone, which meant that he was playing defense for someone. So which is yeah. another it was a thing. to him. Yeah. I think there are two issues there. The the first is that obviously, I mean, across. A, a where the defenders have their back to goal is very different from a cross where the defenders are running towards goal. And when we can play inside, outside, inside quickly and yeah. get hit runs where defenders are running towards the goal, where our attackers are running towards the goal and we have two, three levels of runs, that's when we're really successful. Um, and that's, that's what I want to play. I certainly don't want to... We don't have targets for just sort of aimless crosses into the box. Um, the second thing is that this all sort of, and this is what I also something I touched on in my piece is that the the the, the big question, everything about these questions we're asking, sort of centers around this weird double number eight midfield where we have two players who are sort of similar. They're, they're certainly trying to play defense similarly. Um, they're both sort of vulnerable to getting sucked out of position a little bit. Um, you know, the, uh, Ibsen is a little bit slower on the ball, but he has more range of passing. Schuller is a little bit faster with the ball, but he much less ambitious with his passing. Um, I, I, I think that, I mean, uh, again, it's something that I, I've written about a lot. I want to, and, and, and Jeff Ruder has another piece um, out where he talks about his, he wanting to see uh, Colin Martin in midfield. I'm kind of the same way except with Maximiano because I want more designated number six role to leave the other midfielder with the, the ability to sort of chase around, you know. But the the point is, is that we just, 
we have a midfield that when it's working, it's working really well. When it's but it's also leaving us vulnerable a couple times in a match, and sometimes it, in the attack it's too slow to make decisions, and it's just this sort of the the main issue is that we're not attacking well from central areas. That's why this sort of inside outside inside movement is our most successful, and we there's just. It's a lot of these these issues that we're having. I think come down to this midfield, and, and as Wes said, it's not changing. Well, let me let me uh, take it back specifics to the game. So the first half, uh, one of the worst halves we've played uh, this season against, as you mentioned, a terrible, terrible team. That was horrible. Um, uh, Montreal had a great number of chances. None of them, none of them really good. And even the one where Piatti hits the uh, crossbar was kind of that was a fluke. There was, yeah, they, I mean, he had two guys putting pressure on him. Maybe they, obviously, they should have put more pressure on him. But, um, you know, there's that. But Minnesota could not connect more than two passes. It was, I think, I'm just going to make up a number. It looked like they connected, in the first 40 minutes, three passes into the final <laughs> third. It was yeah. abhorrent. Uh, and then the last five minutes of that half, Quintero stepped up a little bit, started to spark things. He um, had a shot go wide. Um, you know, the ball gets to Gomez. Uh, he hits the bar. Um, should have scored. Both of those yeah. should have been goals, actually. Yeah. And then uh, and then second half comes out, and they, Minnesota was the same. Just terrible. Um, and I was just fearing for my life. Uh <laughs> Um, just thinking, I'm going to end up saying something on Twitter that will actually get me killed by Calvo or someone. Heath, you know, Harrison Heath is going <laughs> to, Doug Heath, the other son we don't know about, it's just going to come stab me in my. So, uh, but then I think, you know, Ibsen gets a ball and puts in Ramirez, who's kind of, I was convinced was offside when I, I no, refrained that was from. That lazy defending. Yeah, that was terrible defending. I was, defending. I like refrained from uh, celebrating. I was like, nope. Look around. Wait, wait, wait. Everyone cool? Yes. Now I'll celebrate. So then Ramirez scores, and and then I think that sparks Minnesota in the attack. Montreal started to panic, and then it was from then on. It looked like Minnesota was going to win. That was that was the only thing. You know what they say um, in soccer: two being up two zero is probably the worst thing you can you can be up up by just because it, you're at that midpoint where like yeah we're dominating and quickly two one becomes oh crap. We got it. We got to cover it. And I was in that, that like you know, if we would have put one more, I would have been more more in the safer mode. Yeah. But I I, I think just overall, that first half was horrible. Um, I was literally done with Gomez at the forty fourth minute. <laughs> He's bad. And he- I was like, I was like, I was like, wow. Like he was yelling at at Heath. He was yelling when he, like every time he had a chance, he was complaining about things. He's like, at one point where like there's a free kick. I think he's trying to be directive of some of the some of the staff of where he should be standing in front of the ball, and he's like pointing here, pointing there, and yeah. like I'm like I'm like oh my gosh, I was like I don't get that kind of kind of grief from my from, yeah. from my from my 11 year old when I coach him. I was like you know, and then they know already. It's like I was like I was done. I was literally done. I mean like there was no effort, there was no urgency to do anything. It was just you know let's just wait for them to come out with the ball and then try to see if we can try to get cross field. I mean it was. It was uh, it was bad, bad. But we have no other options there. Yeah, we do. Well, do we not. Could, we can we could change our formation. Yeah, we could do that. So I mean, the first of all, Wes, I looked it up. We had we did actually have, as far as I can tell, 
three completed passes into the into the final third in the first uh, first thirty minutes. <laughs> so it and, was right. Uh, and I, we, thought, and I tried I, to keep track. I think we had um, three passes within the final third that I can count on the uh, on the Opta chalkboard. Um, yeah, I, I, well, the, the water break was kind of the one of the turning points. I mean, we stopped playing like garbage after the water break. Um, uh, and then, uh, and then we had obviously the, those, those two very good moments from, from Christian and Miguel. I think that, I think that the corollary to the most dangerous lead in soccer is that it's not so dangerous if you're playing the Montreal impact. Because yeah. um, <laughs> I, I, they were never going to score. There was, there was got to be a certain point you know, there were probably like 20 minutes left in the game. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, we have this. There's no problem here. As I was making my notes for this uh, and, and going back and watching parts, you know, Piatti, I've said, is one of my favorite players in MLS. I friggin' love him. And then I remembered, oh, right, Raheem Edwards was playing on the other flank. Any team that has Raheem Edwards and Piatti on its wings should be very dangerous. And yeah. I, I don't know if they basically have just, like... Raheem Edwards comes from Toronto, and they basically just put him in like a, a a veal box or something like that. Like they're just they're just trying to just get him to be like proper and and really just smooth and buttery taste, you know. And so they're not letting you like what is happening to Raheem Edwards that he's was he always bad or something? Because I he he did almost nothing this match. Um, you and, know who was really bad? Mateo Mancosa was real bad. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, that was that, shocking. That team that could team. use a, a a Christian Ramirez <laughs> or an Anthony Jackson Hamel, who's on the bench and is a decent striker. Uh, a, a decent, yeah, I'll give you decent. But uh, he's um, better than Mateo Mancosa. Yes, but we'll, let's talk about Miguel's goal because we talked about Christian gets this kind of a little bit of a lucky goal, um, but get gets it anyway. And then, you know, six minutes later, um, uh, you know, Gomez puts in a cross. It's a bad cross. It gets kind of deflected, falls to the top of the box, and Miguel just races to it. And um, in my head, it was like a minute of Miguel deciding. You know, it was this long, drawn out with, with like uh, swelling music of Miguel trying to figure out, do I shoot? You know, should I cut back and do, you know, but it was actually literally half a second. The guy, maybe he takes a touch, but he just takes it with his left foot, curls it into the corner. A beautiful goal. Uh, Miguel was named in the team of the week this week. There's no question about that. Uh, he's just a man on fire and I've realized as I watched it uh, that I've, he's my favorite Minnesota player of all time. Of all time? Yeah. I I, I just I cheer wow. for him so much. I want him to wow. succeed, and I just think that, like you know, whatever he does, it it, it is great. I love it. How so. quickly we forget about Richard Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no Johnny Steele joke, huh? <laughs> Full on Richard Garcia. Yeah, or, I had to, uh, had to make it even more hipster than the Jordan or Alejandro Alejandro Vela. I think is also a, a, <laughs> a, a close. A uh, yeah, we have, we don't use the the, the Vela jokes enough. Um, no. So I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I think I think he's he's, he's having a really good moment, um, and he's probably if not the, the the most successful player or the best player that we have right now on our team. I mean, but I'm just saying favorite. That's favorite, it. Favorite. Uh, I just I love cheering you know, for him. You, 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 yeah. I mean, that's you. I guess. I yeah. Guess you would. You could. Do, you could do that. I just. I just couldn't. I can do that. Yeah, I just can, did yeah, do that. Yeah, you just did do that. <laughs> Somehow out there. 
But I did want to point out, though. Do you know who was in the building? Who? The gold talisman is back. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. Please tell us. Yeah, yeah. So, um, last, was it last summer that we had this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My daughter, Giselle, uh, plays U11. And she's a goal-scoring machine. Yes, and so this past game we we were playing a a, a game and and it was zero zero one one I think it was and she got the ball um, across between a defender, brought it down with the chest and one time it and one time volley into the goal. I don't like bringing it by my kid, but that's probably the best goal I ever okay. seen. It's going so so she came she came in with her sign yeah. saying, "Hey, I scored I scored in my last soccer game. Christian, it's your turn." And he scores. He scores right on right on the side that we were with the sign on, and and I'm saying Gold Talisman is back. So. Yeah. Um, so, so when she decides to skip college and go right into playing for the Minnesota Grey Ducks, are you going to be okay with that? I kind of wanted to play for the Peruvian national team just because you know that might be something <coughs> that or that, but more than likely that's not going to happen. Um, but. I would be okay with that. Okay, all right. Uh, well, thank you, Giselle. Please score again this weekend. Yep. Assume Tuesday, so we nope. can get... Tuesday. We got a game okay. on Tuesday, so we'll see. Yeah, so uh, Christian will be watching that game, I'm sure. Um, uh, any other notes on this game? I, I guess th- there's. here's this question um, from t- hashtag, at hashtag Tom24. What pairing do you prefer, uh, Miller and Mears or Miller and Tison? Uh Miller again had a a, a very solid. Uh, right, we didn't mention his game. game at all. Yeah, yeah that's literally has not done a single thing wrong since like like a single defensive mistake since. No, he had game. he gave up the ball. Was it last game or the game before? He gave up the ball in a bad position. Yeah, he did. I did uh, notice. Okay, one. so sorry, one single mistake since coming to the team. I apologize. I have fired. His, my his mom director. Susan follows me See, on Twitter. Alex, I don't know if she listens to this podcast. Alex can be wrong. See, we just proved that Alex yeah. can be wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, Wes has no, got I the stats, the three three passes in the final yeah. third and the one uh, Eric no, th- Miller I mistake. So I like, I like I, you know, Mears is physical. Um, he was very physical, at least the second half. I remember a lot of that, him being physical. And it was nice to be able to have him on the wing. He was going up and, and, and trying to connect. So, he was so I, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 I think Tison is not as physical in, in, in that wing, but we also know Mears is also... Not unbreakable. So, um, if Mears is fit, I, I'm I'm okay with Mears. Mears yeah, and Miller. I'm, yeah. Um, let me let's take a break. We've got some Twitter questions, and we'll come back and take those. You know what I did see the second half? Are you going to do this again? Yes, I am going to do this again. <laughs> what did you, you say? You, you be quiet. Stay over there and listen. Alexi Gomez actually played defense. Okay. And I never thought I'd say that. Because I've never seen it, and in all the YouTube video highlights that he's has, he's never played. Defense. <laughs> no one has defensive, you know. No one yeah, has. Yeah. Oh, I made this. I made this interception highlights. But he actually played defense, and I was like, "What?" Because I was ready to be him to be be done at the 60th minute, 65th minute. When I was like, "Please, put in Dunlady," you know. For I have for I've liked him so much better in central midfield than on the wing. <laughs> yes, I, I would agree lo- on that. I would yeah. be. I would if we could play a four-three-three. Quintero and Ibarra on the wings, Alexi Gomez in the center of the field. I would like. I would be willing to watch. I, I'm, I would want to see what that looks like. We need to try. Like that to start the game. Maybe it's bad. Maybe we can't attack because we can't play the way that I was talking about. But I think it would be interesting. 
So, uh, yet again, back on the 551 podcast, yet again, an, another uh, pretend song break. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, take some Twitter questions. Uh, we should also say, uh, Sporting Kansas City, uh, are, we're coming up this, it's, we play them Sunday, right? Away? Yeah. Um, and we have not done well away to Sporting. Uh, we've never beaten them away, uh, ever. So, we said that a California-based team, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, let's start with Bill Lydon. He says, do you want to see Adrian Heath as the manager next season? I think everyone knows my feelings on this. So, Rodrigo, right now, decide. Right now, do I want him? Yeah. Yeah, I think he should play out of contract. Yeah, why not? I don't, I don't have a problem right okay. now. Chief? Um, I, I think I've said before, but I am reserving judgment until the end of the season. I think if you had to make a call now, I would hire someone else because I don't think he's done as well. What about as this he question do? Of, of do but you if, do you want to see him though? You personally? Oh, oh no! I mean, I want either Sam Allardyce or. Um, oh, sorry, so no. I want I I, I want <laughs> I want some someone like Mark Del Santos. It makes me. I, I want to be excited about the manager. I'm not really excited about Adrian Heath, but okay. I mean, he's. I think he. He's done enough so that I'm still waiting to see if he does a good job. You're too kind. I You're want to see kind. this team develop an identity, right? I mean, if, if we don't by the end of our second season, then I think we should find someone else. Sean Goman, who uh, he lives up in, in the UP, and uh, he, he came to town for a game a couple weeks ago, so he stopped by and, and said hi. So thanks for doing that, Sean. Um, he said, I had questions, but then I read Alex Chief's analysis on 55.1, and they were answered. And then he says, so what must the hair dust bunny situation be like on the Millennium Falcon? I turned my back on my cat for a day, and it's a nightmare. Imagine Chewie's sheddings and the smell. Rodrigo, you are, you are the, the in-house uh, nerd. <laughs> so, I mean, you... you you're officially parts of the, the Nerds of Color, so I, I can officially oh, right. call okay. you a nerd. Yeah, okay. So you get to answer this question. Well, so the question is... Yeah, what must uh, the, the hairball situation on Millennium Falcon? Lint rollers. Okay. Just, I, think, I don't think there's any... Do they have like there? a Roomba lint roller going around? Well, isn't that what BB-8 is for and C-3PO and all those? So they got to be able to work, work for something. Yes. I no, imagine I, that, that ball thing, if you had lint roller thing on that, that, that would get pretty jammed up quick. I don't know. I pretty much have never seen Chewy shed. I've never seen that. I always so. You're telling me that they don't have the technology issue. in the Star Wars universe to fix this problem? Come on, it's got to be. It's got to be some kind of lint hair like retrieval technology on this. Or, or he just doesn't shed at all. I mean, yeah, Wookies, maybe. Maybe Wookies don't shed. You know, I, I'm, I'm okay. Wookies don't shed. There we go. There's the answer. Okay. Uh, Steve Lilly says, is Miguel seeing this success this season because or despite of Adrian Heath's leadership? I, I'll, I'll say this. I, I, don't think, I don't think it's something that we actually, it's just we can't know that. Um, no. They're the things that we can externally uh, read and judge. Uh, I've said many times I thought his hand, uh, Heath's um, man management of Ibarra last season was terrible. But Miguel is on top of his game right now. So I, I don't think you can fully say it's despite Adrian Heath. Maybe, you know, I guess it, the only one who could tell you that is Miguel. And Miguel is never going to tell you that. So 
There you go. Uh, Jeff Mangan says, uh, "Did we show enough on the homestand? We have two. We have injuries on two important players, and we made the trade. The roster hasn't been settled. Are we trending up regardless, or was this a Montreal team that's trash? So let's not get hyped." I think, there, I think that we. I think that we got two points from an average from five home games, which is, I mean, that's kind of where you want to be. You want to be averaging two points at home. Um, that said, one, uh, three points we didn't get was against San Jose, which is really not acceptable. Um, we should have beaten San Jose. We should have beaten San Jose twice. Um, they are the only team... We are the only team that they have beaten this year. And I think that I'm also looking back and wondering what the heck we were doing against Seattle because they have scored now in 10 games um, seven goals. Three of them were against us. So if every other team in the league basically can hold Seattle off of the board, what were we doing? So uh, I think that yeah, I guess on paper we we got the points we needed to on the homestand. I think that we maybe you could say did get lucky, especially against Houston, where we we could probably got way more than we ought to. But you know that we've already. I'm looking at the season so far, and I think that we've already dropped. We've gotten zero points from two games where we probably should have gotten six, at least four points. So. Um, I think that we're in a decent shape. We're on track for 42 points this season. But um, that's usually just outside the playoffs, so we need to step it up a little yeah. bit. We can do it. We have not yet beaten, you know, I've said this repeatedly on the show, the goal is to uh, have statement wins. We have not yet had one. A win in sport uh, in Kansas City, that would be a statement win. Uh, a win against, uh, we've, after the break, we've got Colorado and then what, Dallas and Toronto. Beating, beating Houston at home, or beating Houston in Houston would also be big. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. But so far, we've not yet shown it. We've, we've won some games against some bad teams, and there's a lot of bad teams in the league right now. Um, the final question, Josh Thompson says, when Cincinnati enters the league, would you stick to conferences or bring back the Central Division, uh, which only list existed like three years? Um, uh, any Either of you care about that? Who would be Not in the really, Central Division? Sorry, go Rodrigo. It, no, I'm, I'm just asking who would be it, in the Central The previous division. iteration was Columbus, Chicago, I think Tampa were actually in it, um, <laughs> Dallas... Yeah, it was those I don't think this four. is that hard, right? Cincinnati goes in the East. We already have unbalanced conferences because uh, the West has one more team. So it's not Cincinnati that's the problem. It's Nashville and Miami who are both supposed to enter the league in 2020. I'm not sure, yeah. uh, given their stadiums, if, if, if either are going to make it, especially Miami. But, but that's two Eastern teams. And then you have to wonder if... But I don't think it's Minnesota that's going to move. I mean, it's if, Chicago. Right. If the crew don't move, um, then will. it would be Chicago who would yeah. move to uh, to the West. And, and, and you know, it's, it's, it also, with 24 teams, you can have 8, 8, and 8, and, uh, and you could have a central division there. I, uh, I guess it, right now it's a theoretical that, I don't know, I, I just don't think about too much. 
don't think it matters no. a ton. You know, it, it'd be nice to focus on playing the other uh, central teams who are not as good as the East teams. So, right. sure, that'd be say, great like, for can us. We make the playoffs in the central? Yeah, league? it'd be better for us. It'd be better you for know, us. It'd be so great yeah, for Kansas City. Be. So, they'd win Kansas it every year. Top, they'd, be up, they'd be up top every year. So, yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, Should let, we just let's talk. Uh, did you watch yeah. the U.S. game? Oh, no. T- yeah, sorry. Uh, I, we I don't have not. a Christian Pulisic interview, but... You, you went to training topic. this week, so let's talk about it. I'm sorry. No, I thought it was... It was just... This was like the first time, and I, I wonder if anyone else listening um, felt this way, but this was like the first time in, since Trinidad where I've been like excited to watch the U.S. again because finally Dave Sarakin just like stopped calling in like C.J. Sapong and like, I, you know, people who we've seen before... And it's just, there were four teenagers on the starting uh, 11. Uh, there were uh, six new players debuted for the team. Um, they won 3-0 against a, a really terrible like Bolivia C team. Um, it wasn't much of a contest. And they're, they're going to be in the future playing uh, Ireland in this coming week and France. And, and I think that we'll probably see some more experienced players called up for the France game because I think France would be mad if we literally played our U21s against them when they're preparing for the World Cup. But, but it was just fun to see guys who we sort of heard so much about. And like, you know, Josh Sargent and Keaton Parks. It was just great to see Weston McKenney out there. He had an amazing game. Christian Pulisic looked tired. He was like not the best player on the field, which is fine. Yeah, who cares? It was just you know, Tim Weah. You know, looked really raw, but like you can see what's exciting there. Um, it was just it was it was so fun. I thought to see you know finally turn the page on the sort of the older generation and then the sort of lost generation in between. And let's just fast forward to this group of guys who are on the books at teams like Dortmund and Schalke and Benfica and, and Manchester City and, and uh, Chelsea and so on and so forth. I mean, it just really great to see. And they, and the more we can get these guys' reps together will be really beneficial. And Keaton Parks was the best player. He was really exciting. He looks so smooth on the ball. I'm officially on the hype train. Well, and you know the nice thing is that if we keep on working with these guys, obviously some of the guys like Josie and Michael Bradley, a few few folks will be brought back in. Uh, but then we're ready for when June comes and there's the first competitive match uh, for uh, for the U.S. since uh, Trinidad and Tobago. Then these guys are actually ready. You're not you're not blooding them then. Then they're actually right. you know a bit more ready. You know they're still going to be raw. They're still young guys yep. who who are going to make make big mistakes and things like that but i I agree that that is almost almost makes me wish i watched it but i i didn't so all right catch the highlights we know you do well uh thank you guys next week we will be back i think we will just like just be back with our world cup preview next week or wow we're ready for that yeah i need to start doing that my brain is like really getting scattered but if you do not have world cup plans there's this bar called the black heart of saint paul uh, that you should be ready to watch at skip games skip or skip work, skip work. <laughs> come to watch games uh, because we'll just be transitioning hopefully if my life goes correctly in the next two weeks just for that and it's going to be me opening up the bar with like one 
ragged person who like maybe doesn't know it's actually World Cup, but you know wants hey. to drink or something. His name is Rodrigo. Okay. Anyway, so that's that's my my final plug. Uh, thank you, Rodrigo. Thanks, Alex. It was good talking to you guys. Talk to you later.